Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, today. we are talking about the Thieves in the Temple single. Oh. Here we are in December of 2021. By the time you hear this, it'll be January 2022. And, Unreal. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to say we're here talking about the thieves in the temple, but then you said single. And for a moment there, I thought we had like breaking news. <laughs> thieves in the temple, breaking news. <laughs> that's right. Smash and grab at the temple. <laughs> but that's not yeah. it at all. No. 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 So this was the lead-off single for the Graffiti Bridge motion picture soundtrack. Yeah. The 7-inch was released July 27th, 1990, and the 12-inch on August 2nd, 1990. So I want to know, when did the single come out? Oh, probably... The same time. Probably uh, July 27th, because I don't remember singles having extended versions or... Alternate mixes. No, 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 they did not, but it did have the B side, which was mm. Thieves in the Temple Part Two, mm-hmm. and I was a sucker. So, yeah, I bought the single, and it's still in this home somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> uh, but what we have that survives to this day, anyway, is the CD That's right. single for Thieves in the Temple. Mm-hmm. Yep, cute. Got a little picture. Did you say cute? It's cute. Prince looks cute on Prince it. He like looks like all your like. your child, they look cute. He's supposed to look like a badass in his leather jacket and his. Metal yeah. love symbol art on his sleeve and his beard and his straightened hair. I have a hard time taking that hair seriously. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, it it was very looked, serious. It, it, I'm sure it took a seriously large amount of effort to get it to look that way, but yeah. I, I don't know. For some reason, it just it, maybe it looks a little too much like the Rachel. Oh, that's true. He was early. He was early to the Rachel party from Friends. The, the Rachel Bob. Yeah, she copied him. There was a word. There was a. There was a. There was a term for the the Rachel. Also, I thought it was something else. No, I think just the Rachel. But okay. that's uh, what I'd rather comes it be to known mind. as the Rachel than the Graffiti Bridge. Honestly, I think that's a win. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. <laughs> But go ahead. Yeah. You're looking longingly at this cute single cover. And it's got the hand lettered type. Yep. By Margot Chase. Yeah. It's really neat. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's definitely in character in mm -hmm. his graffiti bridge clothes with his white oversized shirt, his black fringe filled leather jacket, Mm -hmm. long and straightened hair, love symbol. Metal artwork on his right forearm and a motorcycle in the background on a black backdrop. Mm-hmm. Makes the motorcycle a little hard to see, but that's okay. You it gives you anything. something to find. It's like an Easter egg. It's a square find crop, it. so you gotta yeah. see it. Plus, there's type going over it too. Right. I thought it looked. I mean, it's very lots of lots of black, white, yellow, orange. It's kind of like a Prince album cover and a candy corn got together <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Just on the cover, though. I think on the back, isn't there some pink, too? No, some hot on, pink. The, on the back. Oh. There it is right here. A little oh. lip coat on the back. Oh, you're right. And, and on the, the on back the, cover with the type. The actual here. back cover, not yeah. the back of the booklet. The back yeah. cover, there's pink type. Yeah, this was when I was just starting to get interested in like, oh, I fa- I didn't even think that it was hand-lettered even mm-hmm. back then. I was like, oh, I wonder what font that was mm-hmm. that they found. And the Unicase font that they used for... The credits underneath where some parts of the font are uppercase, some are lowercase, and it's just by design. I'd never seen that before, and I was fascinated. Mm, cool. Has nothing to do with Prince or Thieves in the Temple. Well, but this is as much about you as it is about Prince, because it's our podcast, so it's your impression. That's so okay. there you I go. I can't really argue. I mean, I could argue about that, but on You're this podcast, gonna. it seems kind of stupid to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then the back of the booklet just has a close-up of his little symbol mm-hmm. with one of the fringe going through the hole. It seems like a focus on this is maybe a foreshadowing of things to come. Well, that yeah. symbols the, would be it was the less developed important. love symbol for yeah. sure, and I think the, the combination of man woman the one piece of fringe going through. 
the circular part of the love symbol, I think, was very art-directed. Oh, yes. That probably was not an accident. No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And I you think. said his little symbol. There's nothing little about this Oh, thing. no, it's big. It's, it's like be six, how... eight inches at least. Oh, I was going to say ten inches. I mean, basically okay. like a small human man's forearm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, pretty much his entire no, forearm. You can't use your forearm as reference because he was much <laughs> tinier. His forearm was smaller. There should be a ruler hidden on this cover somewhere so we could get scale. <laughs> okay. Sure. Anyway, so it's there. It's got a little, uh, it's got a listing of what's on the CD, some of the lyrics from the remix that weren't in the album or radio edits. Right. Which is nice since there were no lyrics whatsoever in the Graffiti Bridge, Bridge booklet. Mm-hmm. Which we lamented about, yes, a little bit, a little bit, yes, a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CD itself, I remember this being one of the first times that they I saw the then new Paisley Park logo. They oh, uh-huh. did got rid of the actual Paisley, the actual Paisley shape, which I thought was an absolute shame. I'm mm-hmm. glad it's back now with the estate stuff. Yeah, I me just too. Think it's very, very cool as a little label logo bug mm-hmm. thingy. Yep. You can't have a place named Paisley Park and not have it be in the shape of a Paisley. It's just, it goes against all logic. It charted really well in the U.S. The logo did? I didn't know that. No, the, the single. The single. We're back to the single. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm redirecting the conversation in case you missed that. <laughs> yeah, with with her glasses and her pen, like she's... I'm grading you now, and you're, you're totally to you're totally sucking. <laughs> We're going to let's move on. Okay, yes. So the single and charting. Please go ahead. It was number six on the Hot 100, number one on the Black Singles, which is now called the R and B chart. Uh, number nine on the Dance Music Club Play. It was certified gold at the beginning of October of 1990, and it was a top 10 hit in Belgium, Denmark, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and Norway. I don't think this song gets enough credit for being a hit for Prince. It does not get played on the radio ever anymore. Ever. I never, ever hear hear it. it. I occasionally hear it. Unless now, because I don't pick children up from school as frequently as I used to. So it's more of a 3.30 in the afternoon kind of song? Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. And now we're not doing that anymore? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it was his seventh number one on the Hot R&B Singles Chart, which I did not realize, following I Want to Be Your Lover, When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, Kiss, Sign of the Times, and the year before this was released, Bad Dance. Very cool. All right, are we ready to talk about the music? I think we are. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure you don't have anything else you want to say. No. Okay. There's very little I want to say. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, Thieves and the Temple Part 2. Part so, 2. Yes. So on the radio edit single, there was the album version and then this Part 2. Right. Which is basically an instrumental coda. Yes. Like a minute and 40 seconds. Yeah, very, very short. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically an instrumental portion of the remix, which we'll get to next. And I say remix in quotes. I think there's a little bit of remix and a little bit of it's really like extended. Or the full version. Yeah, it could be the full version. I could see this being a let's go and tack on some more to the song. Also, yeah. I don't know yeah. what or what which came first. Right. Album version or the remix, quote unquote. Right. Um, I will say this part two the very first second mm-hmm. is straight from Bat Dance. Oh. It's lifted right from it. If you listen to Bat Dance at 49 seconds to 53 seconds, right after the sample of Jack Nicholson has him saying, go, go, go with a smile. There's a this percussion type keyboard sound that is used in these. Go, go, go with a smile. also hear it at a minute and 50 seconds after uh, the Joker says, and where is the Batman? There's some of those too. And you can also hear it in Thieves in the Temple Part 2 at 18 seconds to 19 seconds also. Okay. So lifting 
or continuing some sounds that he was exploring mm-hmm. in Bat Dance. Even though this was the final song recorded for Graffiti Bridge, it definitely uses some elements from Bat Dance. Yeah, and it's more contemporary to the Batman soundtrack stuff, right? Yeah. As yes. opposed to yeah. the rest of Graffiti Bridge, which sort of predates yeah. that. That's very very fair. Yeah. Yes, or at least the original versions of the songs right. predated uh certainly predated graffiti bridge but we're almost like unreleased music this was a clearinghouse of sorts of for a motion picture soundtrack mm-hmm. a prince casserole if you will <laughs> all right then yeah i thought it had a real 80s sound to that treatment on the drums mm, right okay. there at the beginning sure yeah it makes me think of the video for bad dance has prince with long straightened hair mm-hmm. no facial hair though right very little and he's at a like keyboard station, and I don't mean QWERTY, I mean <laughs> yes. piano, black and white keys. And he's like playing the keyboard with both index fingers to make the little sound from yeah. that dance. And I yeah. just see him doing that in Thieves in the Temple also. Uh-huh. That's fair. Uh, I see him, I picture it in my head. Y- yes, in your mind's eye That's sees right. it. That's how yes. I see the sound that I'm hearing. Yes. Uh, there's some fun bass guitar that's mm-hmm. buried for a while, and then it comes up. Yeah. Um, there's. All, I also think you don't really think of funky rhythm guitar when you think of Thieves in the Temple. Mm-hmm. Kind of think of like late 80s, early 90s pop rock sort of mm-hmm. um, but if you listen to the rhythm guitar at a minute and 17 seconds a minute and 22 seconds a minute and 25 seconds it's really got a funky rhythm guitar in thieves in the temple which i don't think of as a as a funk song whatsoever no it takes a long time for this part two to get to the recognizable melody. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like over 50 seconds before you really get to yeah. the part where you could say, oh, this is definitely Thieves in the Temple. Yeah. Um, there's also a little bluesy guitar in it, too, mm-hmm. from 22 seconds to 33. Six seconds, and that little bluesy guitar part plays a real prominent role in the remix, like after the original album version kind of ends, and you can tell, oh, this is going to go in a whole different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of a fun addition. Yeah. That's the part that I was saying was buried no, and yeah. then kind of yes. came up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it was there, and then they mean. bring it to the fore, yes. and it was kind of it was fun to hear it come mm-hmm. forward. Yep. I will say in my notes, this song does not lend itself to acronyms as much as others because right now it's TIT, <laughs> Thieves in the Temple. Uh-huh. So uh, as I look at my notes and I snicker a little bit, it has nothing to do with the song itself. It's my own stupid shorthand for Thieves uh-huh. in the Temple. Yes, and our 13-year-old. Which I hope will just go viral. Uh, <laughs> our, our 13-year-old what? The, like mentality. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right, because I thought the same thing. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm writing it down. Over and over, giggling yeah. to myself every single yeah. time. It's not like joy and repetition where it's mm-hmm. J-O-R and Prince fans know, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, tit, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Why is there two T's on it? Same reason there is in Get Off, uh-huh. G-E-T-T. <laughs> that's right. No, there that's not why. No, it's not. Uh, it's not tit off anyway. <laughs> that would be a fun contest, though, that I think Prince would approve of. <laughs> Then we have the Thieves in the Temple remix. Yes, parenthetical, right? Yes. Remix? Yes, parenthetical remix. Parenthetical lowercase. Of course, the artwork for the song itself is all lowercase, also just kind of curly Q and mm-hmm. funkified. That's yes. right. So, eight um, minutes and three seconds. Oh, I had eight minutes and eight seconds oh. for me. Wow, what does that say? You've got the readers on. 803. It says 803 there. It does. Maybe, maybe my 808 comes from Ultimate. There's a 
uh, oh. CD of remixes on Ultimate that came out in 2006. And I think that's the one that I listened to. And oh. that's where I got my eight minutes and eight seconds from. So it probably has a little additional silence at the end. Yeah. So yeah, basically an extended version of the song with a slight remix is mm-hmm. how I would categorize this. Yeah. The remix is credited to Paisley Park. Mm-hmm. I think you so, can all freaks. guess what that means. All right. Yep. I will say, since we covered this song on part two of our Graffiti Bridge discussion a few episodes ago, that from the start of the song until the one minute and 57 second mark, mm-hmm. it is identical to yes. the album version. There are no changes whatsoever. Right. Yeah. I concur. I was like, minute 58 seconds, so we get bongo drums. Yes, and kind of reverse sound effects, too. Uh-huh. Something is running in reverse there. I don't know what it is, like this whooshy Uh kind of thing. And some serious Max Headroom action at Uh two minutes and 10 seconds also when Prince starts singing again. Kicking me, kicking me in my heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and there's this little, like, sound effect right before that Max Hedrum part mm. that's kind of, it sounds like the oh yeah from the Twix commercials in the late 80s. Oh yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Dun, dun, dun. I remember it from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, well, yeah. Yes, but it was in the Twix commercials, too. I went and listened to Twix commercials (laughs) to make sure that that was what I remembered And now you're getting served ads for candy bars for the rest (laughs) of your life. Yeah, there's like these little drums and this like like this kind of sound. And it sounds like a part of the oh yeah from the Twix commercials. Do you want to look up who sings that or what that song was from? She looks at me like, why would I do that? Uh, no, I, I didn't even didn't even occur to me to. I just assumed it was made for the Twix commercial, but it probably wasn't because no. Ferris Bueller yeah, that predates was like the Twix commercials. Five was Ferris Bueller. I think so. Six, something like that. But yes, I know what you mean. It's the kind of sound effects you can't make with your voice. You need a, a keyboard or a sampler. Yeah, to yeah kind you of need to like. It. But you need to speak it, yeah. but then you need a keyboard or a sampler to yeah. alter it right. to get there. Yes. Yes. We've got a Casio sampler keyboard around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I could do this for you and you could work it in to, you know, as you edit this episode and add clips to s- some of the songs. And then I could be there going, it's going to be great. It's going to be really great. I'll let you know if we can work that in. Okay. Would you? Let Between me know. now and then. Actually, would you tag me in a social media post, perhaps? <laughs> Speaking of social media, Christy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you this can is the most us. forced segue <laughs> in the history of the mountains and the I sea. I always miss it when you <laughs> set to, me up for it. It's just like T-ball and the ball just <laughs> fell off of the tee while you looked at it. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> like, wow, there's a tea on there. There's a ball on that tea. Oh, <laughs> uh, that accurately describes my athletic prowess. <laughs> if you would like to find us on social media, you can do so on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T M A T S podcast, or you can send us an email, TMATSpodcast at gmail.com. You had said you hadn't heard, at least for a very, very long time, perhaps ever, this song? Yeah, I didn't. The longer didn't, version? Didn't ring a bell to me. Yeah. Did the bongos surprise you? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just remember being surprised also. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is uh, very, very different. Yep. Yeah. And then it kind of is more like the album version again for a while. Completely. And we get the breaking glass like we get at the end of the album version. It's not the same breaking glass sound. Or it's pushed back more and kind of overdubbed with the transition into this extended portion. 
I think it was different, but... I just heard it like maybe it faded out a little quicker as Prince screams. Hmm. His overdramatic... Yes. Scream. Yes. Yeah. It just made me think the first time I heard it and we got to the three-minute mark and I'm, I had no idea what to expect. When I heard remix. This could be great. It could be bad. Who right. knows? But since it was really the album version and then you get this extension kind of starting, uh-huh. I was like, oh, here we go. Uh-huh. Three minutes and 21 seconds. All right. Here we go. Yep, we get the some background vocals by the Steels. Yep. Which is nice. Nice way to add it. Yeah, in a really another... good vocal compliment uh-huh. to Prince, too. Yes. We had said, you know, he had just brought Rosie Gaines into the picture here, but there had been a while without a strong female presence again mm-hmm. in his music. And so to see him bringing in strong female voices, I was all for that. Mm-hmm. And I still am. I still stand here for that. Great. Or sit here. Then we get a really lovely vocal delivery of some lyrics that do a really good job of blending religion and romantic love in ways that Prince really great description appreciated. Great description. Yeah, him singing in a baritone voice mm-hmm. also, which is not... I mean, you can find it, of course, in his music, but it was an interesting take on Mm -hmm. this song. Yes. He says, I'm talking about the kind of love that can move a mountain. And this is very biblical to me as somebody who is pretty familiar with Christianity and the Bible and now mountain moving is usually a faith sort of situation. But for Prince at this time and very much on the Graffiti Bridge soundtrack, it was a hand in hand with the blend of romantic and religious understanding. Yep. I mean, the kind that um, you wouldn't really recognize where you, I mean, I don't listen to this and think, Oh, this is a deeply Christian song. Right. But clearly the lyrics are influenced by biblical messages. For sure. Yeah. And there's, so there's that one. Then we have the kind of love that could part the sea. So God parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could flee slavery in right. Egypt. And then the kind of love that'll last forever. The So Mm -hmm. the eternity of God and the eternity of a romantic love are both things that Prince really searched for in his lyrics. So we get these three sorts of lines within this additional, additional lyrics, things that didn't make it into the album version or the radio edit. Right. Whichever you want to think of it as. Right. I guess this sums up our approach to listening to music. You have this very intellectual and well-read perspective on it. And my notes are, go back and listen to the ooze behind uh, (laughs) what he's singing at from like four minutes and 18 seconds to four minutes and 22 seconds when he's singing (laughs) that first one about about the kind of love that can move a mountain. think of the background singing that much when I think of this song either, but there's a lot going on there. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's such a beautiful delivery. It's hard to know, like, what do I talk about? Do I talk about all of it? Do I just talk about the lyrics and the meaning and how mm-hmm. it fits with Prince and his normal sort of way of speaking about life and the world? Or do you just talk about the delivery? That's why we both are here. That's right. I mean, if we only had a third person to create the triad. Oh, gosh. Don't. Sorry. Don't add another third person in there. (laughs) Editing two of us is plenty. It's plenty. Yeah. Uh, So after that part of the nice baritone Christian seduction kind of thing, (laughs) we Uh get some yelling. I would say yelling at four minutes and 39 seconds, more like exclamatory yelling. Uh uh, He's demanding, I want to know one thing, baby. 
How come you said that I was your baby when you and you love you and your love was gonna leave? And there's these little other samples of e e going on in the background. Uh-huh. Four minutes and fifty two seconds is when I could pinpoint it. Just kind of a sampling kind of era for Prince and his musical exploration, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. that became kind of easy for him to do also at this point as far as technology goes. I said I wanna know one thing. I said I wanna know one thing, baby. I'm gonna say that I was your baby when you and your love was gonna leave. You let me on the old thing and you was more than hurting sheep blinded through a fantasy. And I thought that whole part too, that that those lyrics muddy the idea that the thieves in the temple are his own jealousy, which seemed really clear to me going back and listening to it very intently to try and understand the meaning that this kind of muddies how come you said you're I was your baby when you were gonna leave. Mm-hmm. You and your love, not oh, just her. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, you and your love. She didn't, even leave any, she didn't even leave any love behind. That's right. She, she scooped it she all took up. took it all. She put it in a little Ziploc baggie and walked away. Pretty good. Stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs> so it made me wonder, like, okay, so this brings it back to deception of a partner, perhaps, yeah. but also maybe a fundamental misunderstanding of the relationship on okay. his part. Okay. Which I would say would fit with the the movie because Aura yeah. was an angel never really going to be yeah. his wife, partner. his partner, his right. romantic interest. She was there for a reason and it was not to be in bed with Prince. Right. So again, I think it's a maybe he felt like it was a betrayal because he had this fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of their relationship. Yeah, that could be. And that would probably fall in line with a lot of his other, I wouldn't say breakup songs, but I've been, you've done me wrong kind of songs. This could have also been inspired by some other kind of personal event and sort of shoehorned into the script in the movie. Yeah. Could also have happened. Sure. Yeah. We get another biblical reference. Yes, we do. Just talking about Samba Moses parting the sea. The Ten Commandments and yes. the what at the time was super cool special effects. It's of, still super cool. I remember watching watch. that like yeah. not two or three years ago, thinking that was pretty cool for whatever year it was, 1940, whatever. Yeah, it's all practical. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. However, Prince understood or misunderstood this relationship, and however wronged he felt, boy, yeah. it did, did not limit his self-confidence in any way. <laughs> I am the best, better than the rest. That's right. Uh-huh. Yes. I am the best. Boy, in the way he sings that too, um, uh-huh. I love it. Even yeah. you know, you done me wrong. You done me wrong. Uh-huh. This is really. You know, full of emotion, real or forced, whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's uh, that five minute and eleven second mark when he starts singing more or less. I am here to tell you that I am the best, better than the rest. There's this breakdown and hand claps and layered vocals going on that are all like filled with bass and baritone sounds. It's just very deep sounding. Which I I love that part of of the song. It's one of my favorite parts of any extended version of a Prince song, period. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Even further... At five minutes and 22 seconds when he sings, tonight, 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 hurt me. Mm-hmm. Tonight, 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 
Listen to the strings and the pads going on in the in the background there. They're used in the Junior Vasquez mixes okay. later on in a real prominent way okay. also. I also started thinking, where did the like the band leader call out of hit me or hurt me kind mm-hmm. of evolve from, you know, going back to James Brown and even before then? If you Google where did hurt me come from or <laughs> why do some band leaders say hurt me? You will only get culture clubs. Do you really want to hurt me? Really? Videos and lyrics and photography. That was all I could find. So congratulations to Boy George and Culture Club for cornering (laughs) the market on requesting pain. That's right. I'd also like to uh, compliment their social media manager were because they've obviously done their metadata properly. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) For it to come up. So prominently. Yep. Or I mean, a lot of people must Google hurt me looking for culture club. Mm-hmm. So I went down a little bit of a culture club vortex also. Oh, I bet you did. I could have probably prepared in half the time for this <laughs> podcast had, had I not gotten caught up in Boy George songs, which were fabulous. Yes. So he says, hurt me. Uh-huh. And my next note is, and he does. What uh-huh. a cool instrumental part after he says, hurt me with guitars some drums and Prince vocalizing from 5 minutes and 29 seconds to 5 minutes and 40 seconds mm-hmm. falsetto screams and cool percussion I mean it is all there yes. um, and during that very part lo and behold I found an easter egg I don't know I, I went looking on Prince Vault and in other places to confirm was I right was I wrong I have no confirmation or reference whatsoever, but at five minutes and 32 seconds to five minutes, 34 seconds, and also five minutes, 36 seconds to five minutes and 38 seconds, he samples the drum part from tambourine. On Around the World in a Day, which we covered eons ago. But yeah, I'm like, this is... I have heard this. Where is this? And I, I never really struck me before that it was from another song, even though it has a different feel to it. It fits perfectly. Uh-huh. And it is straight from Tambourine. And my notes say, see Tambourine from zero to two seconds. Cool. The very beginning, like drum mm-hmm. intro of Tambourine is what is heard here. Super cool. So kind of a cool reference back. I mean, you know, Prince wasn't really much into thinking about Prince in the Revolution era songs in mm-hmm. 1990. In fact, he was still working hard to separate himself and kind of reestablish himself as a an artist who could hack it on his own, even though a lot of the Revolution stuff was just him also. But I just thought that was a fun, like, what, what would make him go back and sample a song that's not even a related message. It doesn't sound anything like no. it. It's just like a drum part that obviously he played. Right. But somehow entered into his head like, you know, it would be cool here. <laughs> it is cool. A little bit of tambourine and it mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. And then Prince is surprised by something. What the? Oh, I love that. <laughs> what the? What the? Yeah, you have the steel singing these. Uh-huh. What the? Yep. Love that. There's maybe a little callback also to Bad Dance here, too, right before that part at five minutes and 47 seconds when uh, he says, put it in. You can kind of hear it under his voice. Mm -hmm. He says, put it in. So like almost another hurt me. Um, But it makes me think of, hey, Ducky, let me stick the seven inch in the computer. (laughs) Put it in. Blame a guy for just listening. That's what I was doing. Yeah. What the? What the? Put your foot on the rock. It's not Prince's first request for you to put your foot on a rock Mm -mm. either. There's another lever hole in your head, the extended version at six minutes and 33 seconds. He does a little. Put your foot on a rock. Call out. 
Here he says, put your foot on the rock. Let me show you how to clock. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that keeping time? Is that a sexual thing? I don't uh, know. Yes. Yes to both. Okay. That would be my guess. All right. Yes. I think we also get a little bit of Prince's version of who let the dogs out mm-hmm. at six minutes and 46 seconds. Who got the party? Who got the party? Who? <laughs> yeah. Who got the party? Who got the party? Who? Another hurt me mention, mm-hmm. and I went back down and listened to more Culture Club songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at seven minutes and five seconds, there's an, a little a little electric bass part that only lasts like less than a second, and the only way I can describe it is like. TH repeated six or seven times if you're looking to spell it at home. <laughs> and there's a little musical shift back to the bongo part that we heard earlier at seven minutes and 23 seconds. Bees in the temple. Ken's almost turning into a, a free form, let's mix up our casserole kind of mm-hmm. song, which I think is really fun. Yep. And I even found a little touch of a whistle slider at seven minutes and 51 seconds, which I had never heard before. Nice catch. Yeah. I, I'm like, what do you call that? Is that a whistle slider? In fact, yes, it is. That's, exactly. Yes. It's like uh, when they name things in astrophysics. <laughs> That's right. After they, the literal name of them. Yeah. They like just yeah. name it yeah. what it is. Black hole. Uh-huh. Wow. It's a hole that's, that's a, black. Wow. Well, let's call it a black hole. Right. Well, hey, look, it's red and it's small. Let's call it a red dwarf. Right. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Thank you for keeping the, it simple, that's astrophysicist. Right. And also namer of the whistle slider. Yeah. Maybe that person was an astrophysicist. Sure. Do you know what happens when you get to a black hole? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all coming together. Then we have some mixes by Cu- Junior Vasquez. Couple of mixes. Couple of mixes. Yep. Uh-huh. We have the Thieves in the House mix. Yes, mm-hmm. which I read on Prince Vault contains samples of Bat Dance, which mm-hmm. I knew. Right. I think it's obvious. Uh, I know mm-hmm. from Love Sexy, which also featured Ingrid Chavez. It was the first time we heard Ingrid Chavez's voice on a Prince album was mm-hmm. at the beginning of the Love Sexy album. Right. Uh, so that's kind of neat. It ties it back together with the film starring her or introducing her according to the credits, if you believe them. But she'd already appeared on a Prince album before. Right. Uh, and then also the song Dish and Tell by House of Venus, which I yeah. did not know. Me either. And went listening to. Oh, I forgot to go listen to it. Tell me about it. Oh, um, well, I will send you um, a link to hear it. Okay. Basically, House of Venus was a collaboration between three Dutch pioneers in house music. Okay. They're from Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, it's the Let's Go that uh, you hear in this remix that's from oh, that song. Let's go. Okay. And there are synth and drum lines that are immediately recognizable and sampled in this remix at like from 30 seconds to 45 seconds. So basically, if you listen to the first 45 seconds of Dish and Tell by House of Venus, you can hear the parts that were sampled in uh, this remix by Junior Vasquez. Okay. All I, I want to sing is Wishing Well. Wishing Well and Dish and Tell. Oh, that's Dish what it, and Tell. That's what it makes me think of. Isn't it Kiss and Tell? I uh, think it is oh, okay. kiss, and, kiss and Tell. Okay, but Dish and Tell makes you uh-huh. want to sing it. Yeah, that's all right. a, that's a, that's all I can think of, so I'm... Yeah. That's that's where my mind goes since I don't have a dish and tell to refer to in my brain. <laughs> well, you're about to uh-huh. when you go and look this up. That's right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a little Terrence Trent Darby in your life either. <laughs> or what's his name now? He changed it. 
decades ago. He's no longer Terrence Trent Darby. It's <laughs> I want to say Soleil Moonfry, but that's <laughs> the woman from Punky Brewster. It is not that. I'm not poking fun of people changing their names either. No, because, uh, because Prince did that dramatically. Yes, in, in historic fashion, he mm-hmm. did. Yep. Boy, it's unrecognizable as Thieves in the Temple to start. Yeah, uh, that's fair. That's uh, fair. I mean, it does not sound like Thieves in the Temple for yeah. Thankfully, a long while. the lyrics that come in. Yeah, like 54 seconds. Right. Finally, you get. <laughs> yeah, Josh, like, a whole minute into it. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is, um, you know, you said that Thieves in the Temple Part 2 remind you of like 80s, late 80s uh, sounding, you know, trends and music. And this to me sounds like, you know, the early goings on of house music. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And not in a bad way at all. Um, in fact, I think that this is much more of a success than what happened with Round and Round. Yes. Which I categorized as kind of boring and just didn't really go anywhere. Right. This does. It has some quiet parts, some loud parts, some fun samples, like mm-hmm. clap your hands, stomp your feet at two minutes and 36 seconds, mm-hmm. straight from I Know on Love Sexy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Joker laugh from the end of Bat Dance at three minutes and 14 seconds. Mm-hmm. My other House of Venus Venus note here is from 4 minutes and 10 seconds to 4 minutes and 17 seconds. You can hear Dish and Tell, or as you want to refer to it as (laughs) Wishing Well, (laughs) during that part of the song. You know, you get the, uh, you said you love me and the ending vocals from the album version at five minutes and 23 seconds mm-hmm. um, and his scream from the album track at five minutes and 44 seconds. But then you get almost another minute of just kind of house beats. Yeah, it's a very different sort of, like, it's. it seems almost only tangentially yeah. Thieves in the Temple. Yeah, I'd agree, but I think It's almost that like another had... song that samples Thieves in the Temple. No, oh, that's a good way to think about it. Yes, or that almost I mean, contains all the lyrics to Thieves in the Temple. Well. But yeah, yeah. I see where you're coming from. I think he had kind of found... Junior Vasquez probably developed some trust with him, liked what he did for Round mm-hmm. and Round for reasons unclear <laughs> to me, but a lot of the world liked it because it was a popular song. And this was just another album like, hey, give me a remix to this and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And he gave him not one remix, but two. We have the Temple House dub mm-hmm. fade, depending on where you look at it, not in the single artwork. Okay. Temple House dub, but if you look it up most places, it'll say Temple House dub parenthetical fade. I wonder why, because that's not know. what the name of the song is. No, I, do, I don't know. Hmm. But five minutes and six seconds. Right. I like, uh, I will give credit also to the names of these remixes. It's, it's fun. Uh huh. Yeah, thieves, thieves, in, in thieves in the House. Uh huh. Instead of Thieves in the Temple and Temple House Dub. Right. These are cool. It's a much, I give high marks instead of Thieves in the Temple House Mix. Thieves in the Temple House Dub. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually covered what a dub mix is. Yes. Because I had never really educated myself on that before. Um, you can find that in the archives of our podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, go listening, because I don't even know where to tell you. <laughs> find I'll, pro- I'll probably go uh, hunt that down and share it. Sure. Yeah. This one I found, like I recognized Thieves in the Temple right off the bat because of the tune symbols that yes. started off. Yes, like it's more recognizable right at the start. Right. Yes. <laughs> I just want I will send you a picture of this or a screenshot. I have it as tuned symbols kick it off, but not C Y M B A L S. I have 
tuned S Y M B O L S written down like a complete idiot. <laughs> That's all right. I misspell stuff in my notes all the time, and I'm yeah, like, oh, I just that's come on here wrong. with the courage to point it out. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, an instrumental version of the Thieves in the House mix. I mm-hmm. guess you could say. And again, it's not like super recognizable as Thieves in the Temple for the most part. It's like it uses elements from Thieves in the mm-hmm. Temple, but. Yeah. Not, not, it's more wholly its own thing. Yeah. I think yeah. if, when we get to it and you hear the original version of Round and Round, and then you hear the album version of Round and Round, which is actually a Junior Vasquez remix of right. Round and Round, you will feel the same way. You'll be yeah. like, oh, that's completely, completely different. Completely different. Yes, it sure is. Mm-hmm. There's a piano part from Kicking Me In My Heart in the house mix at a minute and 12 seconds. This is just this kind of frantic piano mm-hmm. thing that happens. kind of cool and the joker's laugh is in here again at two minutes and 33 seconds my last little i don't know question mark on here is did you notice at four minutes and 13 seconds for about 10 seconds there are five or six snare hits that are purposefully mistimed like they're odd for the sake of being odd it almost sounds like it's not like they're on the upstroke or in like an odd odd place from a tempo standpoint, they're just oddly placed, like purposefully, they don't fit. I didn't notice that, but I believe you. <laughs> Good, I'm not here. I'm not here to deceive. I'm, here to, <laughs> I'm only here to talk. But I didn't have any questions about that. Which I was just like, yeah, it's a choice they made. Okay. Um, But I did, there was at a minute and 23, there was this like repeated male voice chant in the right channel. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. I don't know what he said. Are you sure it's not? uh, I think that might also be something from Dish and Tell. When you go back and listen to that. Okay. See if that's what you're hearing. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't understand it. I listened to it. Try to listen to it backwards because when in doubt, listen to it backwards. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I guess it wasn't any better backwards, huh? Nope. Didn't make any more sense. Yeah. It wasn't worse backwards. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I listened to this backwards and it was no worse than it was forwards. That's like, as a director, Prince is an extremely talented musician. <laughs> And then we have the Thieves in the Temple remix video. Yes. Yes. Um, so there were two versions of this thing, right? There was a version that was uh, the single version. Right. And then a full version, I guess you could say. Right. Where uh, things go in different directions, you could say. The two versions are pretty much the same. Right up until that last cut where they're driving and they cut that a little bit differently. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's so. mostly scenes from the movie. Right. Uh, is the single version and mm-hmm. then um, additional footage of Prince and some blue or green screen magic. Uh-huh. Yes. Makes this happen. So, um, yeah. So the original video, the edit, I guess you could say is... Morris Jerome and Ingram getting into his Mercedes, which drives off. and Ingrid, not Ingram, yes. What did I say, Ingram? Ah, <laughs> uh, the angel. <laughs> Ingram. Ingram. <laughs> uh, one of my fifth favorite Prince movies is Graffiti Passing Lane. <laughs> Graffiti Drawbridge is a great movie. <laughs> So, do you notice when the Mercedes drives off with Morris, Jerome, and Ingrid, it sounds like their Mercedes needs some work. The engine sounds drown out the start of the percussion of the song, which are, you know, the... Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just kind of an out-of-place car engine effect. Yeah. But Prince has seen all of the going-on between... The pimp sandwich, yeah, as they yes. describe themselves, mm-hmm. from as he's perched atop Glam Slam, 
He does a lot of living around Glanslam. He lives and sleeps under it. Uh huh. He observes from above it. Right. He dances in it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. It's his world. It is. I've long had a nagging feeling that the video for Thieves in the Temple oh, yeah. looked like something similar to a Michael Jackson video in some way. You don't so, mean Ing- Ingram Jackson, do you? N- no, because... I, I don't. Okay. So I went on a hunt, and my preparation for this episode could have also been about half the time had I not been looking for what I was looking for. Okay. So The Way You Make Me Feel from 1987 has dancing in an alley, Uh sometimes in silhouette. Okay. Not exactly the same, but kind of similar. All right. Smooth Criminal from 1988 had black and white outfit and a ponytail and real intense set feel, which also Thieves in the Temple did. Yeah. And then the one that's maybe most like is the street dancing and the panther morphing that was part of the black or white video, like the extended portion where he, they showed it on television. I remember they showed the black and white video and then they had this whole like portion where Michael Jackson's dancing in the street and uh-huh. it's there's no music. He's just dancing. But right. that was 1991. Okay. So I really feel like this wasn't really that they were copying each other or by either of them it was just more of like an influence situation okay. where one or the other was kind of influenced and they were influenced by what was happening in videos at the time there was a this trend in the early 80s that was a little more haphazard for mm-hmm. videos and you were getting the late 80s early 90s you were getting this trend towards really tightly choreographed videos, very highly produced videos. They were starting to realize the impact that these had on record sales. And so they were putting more money behind them and more time behind them, more talent behind them. And so I kind of think that that's what's happening here. But I'd always kind of felt like Thieves in the Temple felt a little Michael Jackson-ish. But I think that it wasn't really necessarily Michael Jackson-ish. It was just they were all of that time. Uh Uh-huh. I think the other thing is Prince had clearly been working on his dance moves a lot. um, And we get a lot of it in this video. Especially at a minute and 17 seconds when he does this move where he mimes pushing himself away from a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of like illusions in his dancing. Mm-hmm. And he does have a ponytail. Yes. Know, and long hair. And yeah. He also has his dirty mind style pants on that show his hips and uh-huh. his upper legs. Yeah. Yes. It's very interpretive dance meets ballet. Yeah. In a lot of the dancing here. And it's very nice. Right. Yeah. Um, we also get the first appearance of the Game Boys. Uh, Damon, Kirk, and Tony mm-hmm. dancing with Prince at a minute and 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, another fun dance move at two minutes and two seconds when he says, um, pull you through, and he does the opposite of pushing away. He kind of pulls himself mm-hmm. on an invisible rope right before we get a first, and I think only in a Prince song, which was Air Harmonica at two minutes and 14 I seconds, not even like though it's the not mind even... Bit. Yeah, even though it's not it's not even him playing. It's no. a sample, which we covered a couple episodes ago of another song. Yeah, mm-hmm. That bongo part at 2 minutes and 29 seconds, Prince and the Game Boys are dancing on top of Glam Slam. And some of the moves there would be further, further developed for the appearance on Arsenio Hall, where okay. they perform Daddy Pop together. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities there, um, and also in the unreleased video for Daddy Pop, um, a lot of that kind of the concept of three men dancing mm-hmm. happened. And then the wide release video ends, mm-hmm. and we get the longer cut. Yes. And we have this woman with this covered face who walks in and wakes Prince up and she's wearing a some sort of like face covering and not much else. 
Correct. And she and wants I to show that's, it off. That's, that's uh, her hands on her that's hips. That's right. And she kind of sticks her chest out. Uh huh. And, and she pushes pushes the jacket back. She wa- she wore a jacket to walk in there. Yeah. But pushes it back and says, "Look at me and that's my right. under things." This all I mean. I believe that's Robin Power. Uh-huh. Um, who plays the part of Billy's daughter. Uh, Billy being uh, the owner of First Avenue and Purple Rain, and we found out in Graffiti Bridge that Billy had passed away and somehow mm-hmm. willed these different clubs to uh, the First Avenue, like split like Apple stock into seven <laughs> different clubs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, everyone got a little piece of it. Um, but yeah, Robin walks into Prince's bedroom masked. And yeah. um, I presume that's in the bowels of Glam Slam from mm-hmm. what we learned in Graffiti Bridge. And then there's this bit with a quarter. I'm like, is she some sort of dirty Nickelodeon? What's going on? But she's not. Like, she doesn't even flip it. She slaps it onto the back of her hand and Prince calls heads by pointing at his head. But she never even flipped the coin. All she did was slap it on the back of her own wrist. That is not standard protocol. And I don't even know what they were doing. I I think I'm that confused. Prince wins because that's when Robin opens her robe and she's barely dressed under there oh. and Prince is into it. Okay. So I think it was a heads or tails, truth or dare kind of oh. situation there. Okay. I um, did not get that. But then she also, like, they're not going to stay there undressed. She's got less on or exposes more of herself but throws Prince some of his own clothes the uh-huh. um, you know and then and then after he collects his belongings Prince walks in from stage left wearing the same black and white clothes that Robin threw at him and he's now in front of a screen showing the previous scene like they're in a little private screening room yeah um, and that's when he starts singing about how he's holding on and asking love to help him be the better man. Yeah, I thought it was really meta that he's singing and dancing uh, the song in front of the video we just watched. Yeah, I don't know if that was like inspired by the, um, you know, what was purported to be his editing process for Graffiti Bridge as there was a lot of viewing and he's Trey was on tour and, you know, he would get cuts of the... Uh, film sent to him and he would send his notes back and so I don't know if I might have anything to do with it. Maybe. That's just me thinking. Well, what I do know is that there is a very noticeable blue glow around Prince <laughs> um, uh-huh. where this has similar production quality as the video for Alphabet Street. You know, all uh-huh. the Batman motions picture soundtrack videos I think kind of had a little bit more commercial oomph behind them. Uh-huh. Um, where here it's back to kind of homegrown stuff, which is, to his credit, why he built Paisley Park was to be able to be self-sufficient, shoot videos, make movies, and do it all within, you know, walking down from, you know, a nap. Right. But I found it endearing still. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah. Even Alphabet Street fine. video was endearing. Yes. Then another woman wearing this motorcycle helmet, helmet joins them yeah. for some kind of, like, fashion show <laughs> yes i think that's kimberly arland is her name the okay. second dancer but she's got like a, a rack of clothes and some of the one of the outfits has the word fantastic on the arm which is joy fantastic mm-hmm. is what's on either arm and it was an unreleased album at the time from right. 88 that kind of got put on hold because of the batman soundtrack and then graffiti bridge and then prince going in different directions but yeah, Raven to the Joy Fantastic was, um, I guess you could call it a pending album title even then. Mm-hmm. Even though it wouldn't see the light of day for another nine years or so and radically reworked. Mm-hmm. Well, I also thought, you know, with these ladies, one of them wearing a motorcycle helmet, they were clearly more safety conscious than Prince ever was <laughs> riding a motorcycle in any movie he was yep. ever in. Yep. Because that's one thing he never did was nope. put on a helmet. Nope. I also would say Robin and Kimberly are as indistinguishable as Diamond and Pearl were in the Diamonds and Pearls era, that Prince had an ongoing infatuation with attractive females who were twins, maybe mm-hmm. with a Z on the end. You know, he yeah. had that during the 31-21 era also. Right. These women who weren't even related, but who looked a lot alike and could dance together. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be kind of what happens here. Yeah. And there's also... Love sexy style 
text graphics going on behind mm-hmm. Prince too, with the word mountain and love. Yeah. You know, kind of scrolling across the back of him, um, which I'm sure everyone then looked at and was like, oh, that's so cool. And here it looks like you did it in iMovie with your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is in the screening room that's there. Is it an actual rock or a pile of clothes? But Robin climbs up on that rock at one point and she's, I think it's Robin that has the bike helmet on and the black fringy pants that Prince would wear on the nude tour. Mm-hmm. So she's almost dressed in his Oh, yeah. For I'm sure. like, yeah, Prince seems really unimpressed by their outfits, yes. but they're all his clothes. Yes. He shakes I'm like, his I guess head, he like, wore it better. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Here, that's old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've worn that once. Uh-huh. Not happening again. <laughs> I wore that on tour. That's right. It got stinky, and yeah. I had somebody making something new. That's right. There's more text effects also with uh, Herden's sheep blindly through a fantasy that appears on screen, kind of like a Star Wars opening text credit mm-hmm. style. Oh, yes. I wrote all that down. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> the, that, that scrolls by. The ladies are like watching it. And it says, love, a thief's definition. Yeah. A, to swear allegiance, then back out like a punk when another offer comes along. Yeah. B, to speak of loyalty only until some bucks are placed on the table and then sucking up to the highest bidder. C, to criticize for the sake of personal gain or for actual enjoyment of it. D, to make love like an animal while swearing up and down your partner is the best all the while thinking of your next conquest. This is like the graffiti bridge manifesto going uh-huh. on here. And E, to speak of a new world without first knowing how to fix your own. Straight from Melody Cool. Yeah. When they know good and plenty well, they got enough trouble trying to save their own. That's right. But before that, there was this little spot that I'm really glad didn't make it into the movie. Prince sprays the name Aura onto a wall right. and then pulls up his shirt and humps it. Yeah. I was like, right. that's gross. That was a deleted scene from the movie that made that's, it into... That's his... I mean, to their credit, they cut it out, but to their discredit, they used it here. Yeah. They filmed it at all. That was a, that was a we'll, let's talk about it and yeah, maybe maybe let's not do it. That's my opinion on the situation. Well, his first mistake was he didn't write Ingram on the wall. <laughs> all right. So that's all we're going to cover today. Is that all? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we have some choices to make. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. We choose a C, the low point, the thing that we like the least, and the mountain, the high point. So these are my rules. I go first. The time capsule for me was the dancing in the alley in the uh, video because Prince and Michael Jackson both sort of did similar things around the same time. It seemed very of the time. Mm -hmm. It was this new sort of high production value, highly choreographed situation. Yeah. So for me, that was... All right. I have a similar time capsule, but it's um, the homemade video and graphics feeling of Mm -hmm. the video. You know, it's not bad. It's just very clear what era this thing was produced in, if you ask me. Yes. It is a sign of the times, which is the very definition of the time capsule. Mm -hmm. Yes. The C, the low point, uh, for me, it was the Temple House dub, just because it really hardly sounded like Thieves in the Temple to me. Like it sounded like it sampled Thieves in the Temple a little bit, but it wasn't anywhere definitively a remix as I would think of a remix. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because like a year later on the maxi single for Cream, one of the mixes of Cream that's on there ends and you can hear Tony M laughing and saying, what the hell I got to do with cream? <laughs> that's how I, that's how I think of you. Yes. Yeah, that's... What the hell I got I'm to with do you, with man. thieves or temples or ingrams? <laughs> For me, the C was those offbeat snare drum hits mm-hmm. at the end of Temple House dub. They just... 
bother me. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, they don't fit any of the timing of it. That's kind of like jarring. Hmm. Um, just didn't hit it for me. But the, my runner-up for the C is more of an administrative issue. Oh. Not including Thieves in the Temple Part 2 on the maxi single or the 12-inch, uh-huh. requiring you to buy the single or the single if you wanted that little one minute and 41 second. It would have fit on the stupid CD maxi single. Come on. It was part of the remix package. Like when I buy... A CD maxi single, I expect it will include a B-side. and The single didn't even include the album version. Correct. It just had the remix and You're the right. two yeah. uh, house music decks. You're right. That, those also, I didn't even think about that. that um, I mean, although basically 97% of the album version is there <laughs> in the remix, but if you wanted right. to make yourself a little mixtape... right which we did back then with mm-hmm. CDs, um, and you wanted the album version, you still had to go and buy the album itself. So intentional or not, I just thought there could have been a little bit more include. Like, I want, I want the full Thieves in the Temple experience. I buy the specially priced CD single. Mm-hmm. It should have all things Thieves in the Temple I on agree. it. I shouldn't go chasing for tit elsewhere. <laughs> Please don't go chasing tit <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> All right, The Mountain. For me, it was the remix of Thieves in the Temple or of a song that I already like. So yeah, I'm yeah. not unhappy to get more of it. Right. Um, unless it's in house form, perhaps. <laughs> and I didn't mind the house mixes. That was kind of a thing going on, you know, during this mm-hmm. period of time. It was easy for Prince to hand off control and yeah, get and a couple get, songs and get out play of it. And yeah. Yeah. Clubs. Clubs. Yeah. Right. Which is never, was not a bad tool back no. then. Uh, for me, the mountain were the uh, tambourine samples in the remix. Oh, The cool. drum parts that are sampled there are just super, super cool and a neat little Easter egg if you follow Prince's music and really pay attention. It's one of those things. It's like, oh, it's not even, he could have credited it. Yeah. You know, also contains a sample of tambourine from the. Paisley Park Warner Brothers album Around the World in a Day available uh-huh. on vinyl, yeah. cassette, and compact disc. Yeah. But chose not to. All right, next time. Next time, we are diving into all things jerk out. We've got remixes, mm-hmm. the video, we've got an appearance by the time on Arsenio Hall, and maybe some special uh, appearances of Prince's involvement with oh. jerk out. We'll just leave it at that and Fun. save it for next time. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio, so we really appreciate it. We love it when you tell a friend because it's more fun when you listen with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for listening.